Welcome to The Outcast, the podcast from Outlaw Pro, the ultimate angling experience. Well, ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome. 2024 is here and this, of course, is The Outcast, the podcast from Outlaw Pro. And we've got a mega special guest today, not only because he is a damn right decent fella, a good angler, but he is also now one of the Outlaw Pro team. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome Mr. Dan Owls. How are you, mate? I'm very good. Thank you, Rob. Thank you for having me in, inviting me in. Well, you haven't had to come far, have you, really? No, I've, come from, my, the building. I've come from my office, short journey, but uh, yeah, very nice to be here. Yeah, and asked to do a podcast. Now we normally start this with let's talk about your fishing, but actually, as we've already addressed this, you're now with us. You are one of us, as it were. Let's talk about that move first. You were a long time with Ridge Monkey. Yeah, I uh, spent the last seven years in employment uh, working for one of the biggest brands in the angling industry, Ridge Monkey. Made loads of great mates, uh, and to be honest, I never thought I'd leave. Yeah, uh, felt like part of the furniture. Was part of the furniture. Load of good friends. Loads of great memories. Uh, certain things happen in life and your circumstances change. And I probably I might touch on it a little bit later on, some personal reasons. Uh, but I was offered a great opportunity to move over to Outlaw Pro, become one of the directors, be involved in the forefront and the vision and the movement, trying to push forward the Outlaw Pro brand, the retail side, and just making what they've already got a great, range of stores but offering the ultimate fishing experience for the end user coming into your stores and I feel I've got a lot to offer on that because I've worked in the angling industry 15 years whether it be as a shop manager a regional sales manager selling to the shops a national sales manager and uh, yeah I've got a lot to offer great team here with everyone that's involved I've already settled in now a couple of months I've been here now yeah uh, very welcoming letting me loose on my new role and yes it's not really nice to it's be good. it's good fun isn't it i've got to say you know without without this wanting to be too salesy people just talking about outlaw pro very young brand what three years three and a half years old now yeah. covid as well at the time you know i i was in the same situation that you're in now i was in that situation 18 months ago nearly two years ago i never ever thought that i would i would change what i was doing the opportunity came to work here and it's just such an exciting place to work isn't it there's, yeah. there's never a dull moment something that I really like and uh, it wasn't just speaking to Stuart Ian uh, and yourself and the people that work as the forefront of the shop because for every good business the same as when I was at Ridge Monkey you see the faces they're the individuals that people know but the bigger picture and to make it a success is everybody involved it's not just yeah. there's no egos there's no uh, personal persona that someone's better than anybody else and it's a really big picture and I noticed when uh, I was coming here on my shop visits yeah. everyone was happy yeah. there's not anyone no negative vibes no matter what role someone's doing whether they're in picking packing uh, inputting of products coming in the people in the shop forefront marketing suite or whether it be the managing directors area yeah. that whole area everybody is happy there's a nice atmosphere a nice feel and yes, it's a pleasure to be a part of it. There's always a buzz. There's always a buzz on the shop floor as well. I love going down on the shop floor. I don't get to go very often, uh, but I love going out to the shop. And uh, it's always a nice buzz there. Well, it's just today, uh, the shop's forever changing. Yeah. I said I've only been here working eight weeks now, two months. And the shop front here at Billericay, it really is a destination store. It's a showroom. It's got everything. There's now 14 metres of lures have gone in this week. Mm. Big lure alley. Uh, Finley's done amazing with the new rod display. And obviously now we've knocked, during the period that I've been here, we've now knocked into next door to make it bigger, to offer a little bit more bit more, and a little bit of difference to not your, just your general angling superstore. There's going to be a lot of new brands coming in, a lot of new products, and yeah, 2024 is really exciting. It's ever, ever so much, ever so much. You're a Kent boy, aren't you? So uh, this, is, this is, I didn't know this until you told me yesterday. We do have a little chat beforehand so I can do a bit of uh, research, obviously, on my guests. I know almost everybody that comes in, uh, but uh, I didn't know your history. And it was really interesting because you've actually gone full circle, haven't you? Full circle. So this will be my 15th year working in the angling industry, uh, now in December. And I have really gone full circle. So my entry into the industry was I, my wife, I was working on the railway at the Channel Tunnel, doing shift work, 
and my wife applied for me to be a store manager at a brand new fishing shop. At that point, many years ago, never knew what I knew now. Uh, and that's, I started as a shop manager. I got offered the role with Andy Reynolds. Andy was Danny Fairbrass's best friend. Been involved with Corda from day one, Andy had. Uh, selling leads around all the lakes with Danny, all the underwaters. So he was a very knowledgeable carp angler, but a very shrewd businessman as well. He opened a tackle shop in Canterbury, 3,500 square feet, fatfish tackle. And now I'm a director of Outlaw Pro Kent, which is the old fat the old fatfish tackle. Ended up buying a fatfish. Yeah, so it's, uh, yeah it's re- really has gone full circle. And I've kept, what's amazing is I've actually got an open day there tomorrow. Uh, and the messages I've had of some anglers that I haven't necessarily spoken to because I've come out of them circles from when I was doing the sales role for Sonic and Ridge Monkey, you can't have favouritism. Even though my starting point was Fatfish Tackle and it gave me my in to the angling industry, you can't have favouritism. Even though it was my local shop, I used to use Invicta Angling and Cottington Lakes, all other shops because you want to spread the love. If it was in Dartford, I've used Tackle Box. When I was in Essex, I used to buy my products from Outlaw Pro and Essex Angling. Yeah. You don't want to be seen to be favourable to one retailer. So I always sort of kept involved with the store, but not there all the time. So I've had some really nice messages from anglers I haven't seen for 10 years yeah. that are coming nice to the to open day tomorrow. It's like nice to quite away. nostalgic, you know, it's, it's really nice. Fantastic. And you do a lot of your fishing around in Kent. You, you live in Kent. So tell me about your fishing at the moment. What are you doing now? So uh, my angling for ever has been one night a week and I don't fish weekends. I run my own football team, bit of a retreat for me on Saturdays. My son plays good level rugby for Canterbury on Sundays and that is my family time. Weekends is my retreat, my family time. I have always been quite an energetic person, million mile an hour, can't sit still and I would do anything to get my fishing fixed. Whether I was doing sales in Newquay, Torquay, Somerset, I'd fly home all them hours in the van just to do an overnighter that night because that was the only time I can actually get. I usually get a 12 to 16 hour window once a week, finishing work, going to the lake. So what I actually do is I work my angling venues around my job and my lifestyle. There's no point me going to sit on a really rock hard lake with minimal time uh, fishing for 30 fish in 100 acres. I like bites as everybody does. But I go to the right venue at the right time, do keep an eye on moon phases, I keep an eye on my work schedule. If I can extend it and I can work from the bank and get 24 hours, it's a bonus. But I will always work my time around my schedule and it is very limited time. Yeah, yeah. But it makes you a sharp angler though, doesn't it? You know, your prep work is, is bang on, your kit's already ready. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's no... When, you, when you're a short session angler, I'm, I'm in a very, very similar situation to, to, to you. Um unfortunately i don't do as many nights i i do tend to do days only at this time of year as well but uh you've got to make sure that everything is absolutely bang on and leave nothing to chance yeah i think with the more i've done it now over 10 years of the overnight life and i don't want to sort of say that where i'm arriving at six and i'm gone at six in the morning Mm. i'm setting up in dark i'm leaving in dark that's not happening Mm. for me the overnight life is you finish work you might nip home grab a quick sandwich, something to eat, take with you, or you're stopping at a service station, and an overnighter for me is you, you might leave at 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. I don't really like, you see a lot of people on social media, they jump on people, oh, you, you weren't there for the overnight, you was there 14 hours, mate, 16 hours, 24 hours. I will go and fish to the time that I've got at my disposal, but I tell you something, I will work so hard and effectively for the minimal time I've got to make sure I get rewards. You do a lot of prep as well, though, don't you? It's not just the overnighter. You prep up for your overnighters. Yeah, uh, I like to uh, soak boilies. I like them to look washed out. I do I do preparation on... My rigs are always ready. So I've got... Depending on the substrate, I'm fishing over the terrain. I will have two rig boxes. One will be solid bags, so depending on the situation. One will be zigs set up. My kit is now scaled down, so if I'm fishing off a barrow... Or one of my syndicates, so I can drive to every swim on the lake. Yeah. It's a luxury. That's handy. It's a luxury. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, handy. And people take that for granted, you know, because that is, if I can drive to a swim on an overnighter and the light is fading, you gain an hour it's, by driving to a swim instead of unloading the barrow, loading the barrow. It, it, that's, that's the thing for me. It's not just that. It's the two hours in the morning or the hour extra in the morning. You know, that lasts, because for me, this time of year in particular, 
the longer you can stay there in the morning, the better it is. But it if is. you're going to be at work at nine, you need to be leaving. Yeah. And that half an hour extra walk to the car, yeah. if you can save that, that's a winner. So I, I will always try and work my venues also around time of year. I've, like you touched on, I've fished in Kent. I've fished in all the <coughs> local lakes for the last 10, 15 years in yeah. and around the Kent sector of where I live, the Stour Valley. And you've got some amazing lakes there, some incredible fish, history, uh, the likes of Tumford Swan, You've got the Chilson Stour Lake, Loggies. You've got Chillum Mill, which is like an, an old favourite of mine. I love the lake. Yep. I've had a ticket forever and a day. The last 14 years on and off, I've had a ticket on that venue. I will always work my angling around. If I know a certain time of the year I can get a hit of fish on limited time at, say, Chillum in May, mm. I will put all my eggs in my basket and I will do my four nights a, week, four nights a month yeah. on Chillum. Then I know after spawning... I jump to the Chilston Stour because yeah. you can have multiple fish on very limited time. Yeah. Certain time of the year, I can go to Loggies. Like now, the Loggies Lake Complex, for me, is one of the most incredible winter targeting areas to have hits of fish. Yeah. Not individuals where you might nick a bite, yeah. actually having hits of fish in November, December through till March. And you find, I learnt this off uh, the great Paul Forward, uh, unfortunately not here anymore, uh, Oz Holness, Leroy Swan, some really well-respected Kent anglers. Just from being back in the tackle shop all them years ago, I was always like a sponge, mm. absorbing knowledge. When one of these anglers come in and they tell you something, you never pass that information to someone else. They're giving it to me as a treat, as a luxury, yeah. because I looked after them with a little bit of discount and I thought, I'm going to retain that. So I was always like a sponge, absorbing knowledge off, I believe to be not just anglers in the public eye, but also anglers who are not so much in the public eye, but are sharp. I've got something about them, ruthlessness and edge. And when they would tell me that edge, I would be like, no one. Down in my little black book or in my notes in my phone, yeah. and I'd retain it when I'd hear them talking about, yeah, I'm fishing on uh, a swim called the right-hand halfway tree on the Stour. Even years ago now, the spots that they told me are still prolific now. Yeah. So that, that all that absorbing that knowledge and not passing it off to... I understand there's a time where you want to pass off information to help other people catch fish, but these guys were never doing that. They was coming in and they were just being, I was being quite, uh, giving a bit of hospitality in the shop, a bit of luxury, giving a little bit of discount. And they were probably thinking, oh, he's not going to go on this venue because I was young, naive, a bit new to it, a bit fresh, wet between the ears. But I took all that knowledge on board and absorbed all of it. And I've been in around a lot of very, very good anglers through my time in the trade, uh, working at Fatfish Tackle all them years ago. Not only the customers that came in, but I had luxuries of going to Gigantica with Danny, Damien, Tom Dove, uh, Daryl Peck, I did a lot of shows with. And again, you're like a sponge, you're absorbing all the information off these people. When I went to work for Sonic, for the three years I was at Sonic, Frank Warwick was a very close friend of mine, and Frank's forgotten more about carp fishing and techniques and tips. Again, phone came out, notes, the things he was telling me about fishing with worms, even six, seven years ago. He was telling me tips and tactics about certain elements and different disciplines of angling and I think that's where I'm very good I'm good at absorbing knowledge extracting knowledge from very knowledgeable people taking it on board and maximising my angling where it's very limited time mm. I can adapt quickly to the situation if I've got to come off bags and go on zigs if I've got to spot over bait if I, certain lakes I use a rowing boat I will make sure everything all the prep work is done before I get to that venue so, what, do you, what do you think? What do you think's the the key thing that you've picked up from all of these anglers? I, 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 I have in my mind what I think is 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 one of the key things. Uh, you know, and I, I I have a wry smile when people talk about worms as well because everybody now is talking about how good worms yeah. are, and worms have been around a very long time. And everybody's claiming to be the person that's sort of bought worm. Not everybody's yeah, claiming yeah. it, but you know what I mean. There's loads of people. Ah, oh, this is how you use worms. Yeah. People in the know have been using worms in a certain way for a very long time. Yeah. Uh, and um, Frank yeah, was one of them. Frank was. You said six years ago. I was thinking, well, the modern day worms were around for about six years, but I know Frank was playing with worms twenty yeah, years. Yeah, it was a time. It was a time period. Yeah. Uh, it's probably actually it's even longer because I worked for Ridge Monkey for seven, so it's got yeah, to be yeah. nine nine years ago. Yeah, uh, I fished uh, one. One of my favourite times. Sorry to jump in on your stories here, but one of my favourite times. I, I used to fish what was the best winter water in the country back in the nineties. Uh, which was Birch Grove. Everybody used to want to fish either Birch Grove or the Mangrove. They yep. were really, really famous venues. Uh, and I was lucky enough to be on the Winter Syndicate. And there was me, there was Crowey, there was Ian Poole, and there was Frank Warwick. Uh, and it was rotated, there was four on each syndicate. 
and uh, or each rotor of the syndicate, and it was us four on the one rotor. And we used to have some amazing times, like you know Frank's Frank's knowledge and storytelling is yeah. is very very good, you know, and and just good anglers together. You know, you you when you trust each other and you share decent information, yeah. it's just absolutely fantastic. I, I think that's the thing that sort of stayed well with me is they become all these people became to trust me, yeah, because in a tackle shop you get a lot of gossiping going on, and these anglers or people would come in and give me this information, and they probably sometimes did it as a a test. I wonder if he's going to tell that person. Yeah, I don't, yeah. When someone gives you a great bit of knowledge, just retain it. Use it for your own advantage. And You've got two ears and one mouth for a reason. It, it, exactly <laughs> yeah. that. And Listen uh, more than you talk. When I sort of touched on the time emphasis, there's no substitute to time. So anyone that's got a lot of time at their disposal, they will catch carp. Anyone that's got a lot of time at their disposal and is a very good angler, they will always catch a lot more carp than somebody who's got no time or less knowledge. And I always see like, and you get people ask a lot of questions and, how do people catch this many fish? How come they're catching so many? Everybody has an element of skill. Like uh, some I learned of Dave uh, Levy when I was at Ridge Monkey, when we started first doing a film in abroad, it was a, his element of ruthlessness mm. where you have to push the boundaries a little bit, yeah. but you have a great ability as one of the best anglers in the country with a little bit of... His edge was his ruthlessness. If you could push the boundaries to... We're not breaking any rules, but if you could push the boundaries to... Say, like, we went to a venue and it was 25 wraps maximum. If you are on, when you're wrapping it up, slip it at 25 and a half, mm. or you're miscounting as 26 wraps, that edge of ruthlessness where you've gone a little bit further than the actual protected zone, and the results come. And I just feel that every angler uh, always has something new to offer. You're always forever learning in any discipline in life. Nobody knows anything. There's no wonder rig, there's no wonder tactic, there's no wonder bait. Mm. So it's all about collection of knowledge and the one percent that people do better, like people's hook honing, there's always percentages in it's, everything. It's, it's funny you talk about ruthlessness. Um, you know, you look at all of the best anglers historically, not all, maybe maybe ninety five percent. They're all individual anglers. They don't fish with anyone else. Yeah, they, I'm not going to say they're not mates with anyone else, but they they yeah. fish for themselves on their own terms. And I think carp fishing is different things to different people. You know, some people it's yes. social pastime, other people it's it ruthless. You just want whatever the result is. Um, but, you know, you look at the majority of successful anglers and they're individuals. They, they fish individually. Fish yeah, yeah. yeah that's, a really, that's a really good point, that is. You don't necessarily see people do socials on certain syndicate wars. Yeah. They come away from them syndicate wars yeah. to go and have a social at a really well-known day ticket lake because yep. they wouldn't want many people seeing what they're doing well, their the last thing, to their edges. And I know very well that the last thing I want, if I'm if I'm after a certain fish, the last thing I want is anyone else on there that's half-decent. Ex- uh, so, you know, you no, just don't no, want it. No one does in any so, syndicate. Yeah. If you've got a syndicate full of good anglers, you're up against the fish and you're up against a lot of individuals. Yeah. You know, generosity is wonderful, but if you've got a target in mind, then that, that ruthlessness does come in again. Exactly. But, uh, you know, it, it's interesting as well that, that how much... How much you want it, I think, comes into it as well. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say that I don't want it. There's times where I am horrendously competitive, but a lot of the time I'm very comfortable in my angling now, and I think that's down to one of the key things that you mentioned already, which is time. Yeah. And I know that I've got a certain amount of time that I can that I can use, and realistically, with that time, there are certain things that I'm not going to achieve yeah. because I just can't achieve it. And and I'm very comfortable with that. I'm I'm at peace with myself that I can't necessarily go out and target a UK 50 pound common, which I'd love to, yeah. but I can't target a UK 50 pound common. One, because there isn't one anywhere near me. And two, because the time and effort that it would involve, I just don't have. Yeah. Um, and I think this is something that, that people need to become a lot more comfortable with their own angling yeah. uh, as well. You know, you, you, you say yourself, you, you're a one night a week bloke. Yeah. Um, you're comfortable with that. Occasionally you'll have a bit more time, but you're comfortable with it. Yeah, and, and, and again, I'll, I'll sort of touch on that. Because I've got one night a week, I choose the venues wisely. Mm. There, there's no point me sitting on a, like I said, touched on it, a really large lake with minimal stock because for the rod hours that I do, yeah. no matter how much of you believe your elements of luck and the fish are on you, you have to be so lucky. Mm. You have to be with minimal time. If, you, if you're doing a campaign, I'm not really, I, I want to say I'm a campaign angler on the right venue, but I base my whole year's angling around, I always have two venues. I, this last sort of two years, I've bounced between Chillen Mill, Chilston Stour. Both got incredible heads of very large fish. 
multiple you're forwards. very lucky to have those two as your two venues to bounce between you, I must say between the two so you come and move by me yeah <laughs> I've, I've also I've, I've had a ticket on the tip lake for many years and, yeah. and I haven't even fished it yet and there is a 60 pound common in there so yeah, yeah, yeah. now we're commuting to here I might I might drop back drop onto there and actually give it a go and sixty pound common God, that would be amazing pursue a monster you know isn't it incredible these days how big car park yes so I, I I don't know how old you are I've been around a little bit longer than you and I remember forty pounders were huge yeah uh, you know I remember the times where there was a list of the forty pounders that were caught that year uh, now you couldn't even do a list of the fifty pounders that are caught how many sixties do there are in the country there's got to be twenty twenty five now. It's got to be a very good number. It's that's, it's huge. And, and you've got new upper fifties, literally popping up all over the place. Yeah. I, Gavin, the office in marketing, showed me a fifty-five pound common this week at a lake in Essex. Yeah. Didn't even know there was a fifty-five pound common in that venue. Where's that then? <laughs> tell me afterwards. Yeah. Tell me afterwards. Yeah, so, there's right. a. We're very lucky where I live. I'm never going to say to anyone. Uh, I, I live in the hub, the yeah. mecca, the mecca carp fishing. This. You're blessed within, from the Kent shop, eight lakes within 15 minutes, all got multiple 40 yeah. pounders. You know, and don't get me wrong, I have tar- target fish. I had one the other week uh, at Chiller Mill, one that's evaded me for years. Yeah. Literally felt like a lifetime, evaded me on there. Got a winter ticket for the winter. First two bites, one of them, uh, another, I say target, uh, a fish that I wanted, the two tone linear, 39.15, Lovely. just under 40. And then went back for another night, and then had a really sort of the most sort of fish in the lake ringer at forty four eight. Yeah, so it's yeah, uh, that'll do. Yeah, thank you very much. Winter ticket started very well. Yeah, yeah. So uh, well, you know, you've had a successful year, haven't you? Let's talk about your year of angling. That's been pretty good. You've had a nomination uh, in twenty twenty three for Carp Angler of the Year with the Angling Times. Uh, yeah, that was nice. Just being nominated feels like winning. Yeah, I, I'm not. Uh, I've got no ego. Obviously, when uh, you work in the trade, you're in the public's eye. So you have access to be nominated for certain things and certain accolades that you probably wouldn't do unless you was very active on social media. Uh, I'm not going to take anything away from myself for the year that I've had or the last couple of years angling-wise. I feel blessed to be in the roll call of the anglers that are in there. There's also some very good anglers that aren't in there. And I'm just very humble to... To, to be but to be nominated, you know, it, it felt like winning. When well, nominations are recognition anyway, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, uh, it did feel great. Yeah. Uh, I say it's, it's been an up and down year, and that was a really, really sweet, sweet thing to have yeah. personally. Nice, nice end to the year. Yeah, nice end to the year. Let's let's look at that darker side as well, though. You you know, you've touched on it already, and I hope you don't mind me no, uh, me raising this point. But uh, you 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 have had uh, problems this year, yeah. uh, and they've been quite serious ones. Yeah, uh, I've, not, I've only spoken about this with uh, close friends, family. Uh, yeah, this might be a little bit tough, but I'm going to do it. Uh, last year, November, uh, just coming out of the shower after football, uh, my wife found uh, a mould that changed on my shoulder. Uh, sent it away for a biopsy. Didn't really think too much of it. I was at the Den Bosch show in Holland working with Ridge Monkey and... They rung me and said, uh, whereabouts are you, Mr. Hawks? Any chance you can come in on Monday? I said, oh, unfortunately, I'm in Holland. Uh, I can come in on Friday. Would that work? Immediately, as soon as you're back, I thought, it's a problem. Uh, then me and my wife sit in uh, Canterbury Hospital and uh, waiting outside this uh, doctor's room. Macmillan, cancer nurse, walks in. Didn't come back out. I looked at my wife. She looked at me. She said, don't worry, everything's going to be fine. It, it might be for the person before. I said, they've not come out him. It's, it's for me. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get through it. We're, whatever it is, we'll get through it together. Gone in, uh, sat down. What I didn't want to hear, they told me, unfortunately, uh, you have a melanoma. You've been, you're going to have to come in for surgery for skin cancer. And, yeah, it sort of re- hit me like a ton of bricks. First thing you have in your head is, I've got a beautiful wife kids, family, friends. Uh, it sent me to quite a dark place. Uh, hit me quite hard. I actually left. I'll sort of go back to November. I left. My wife saw this mole change, a little black shading on a brown mole. Very small mole. Uh, literally 
couple of mil in size. I would never have found it if I was a single person. My wife found it. I'll be forever grateful she found it. Uh, she saved my life. And she, the doctors and the surgeons after actually have told us she saved my life by finding it. And I had a football injury on my toe, blood blister, set fire to a lighter, uh, a paperclip with a lighter, tried melting my own toenail <laughs> to release the blood blister, couldn't do it. Went to the doctors and when I was there I said, uh, I've got this nasty blood blister, would you better help me? But while I'm here, my wife's found a mole on my back mm. and as all men do, I said, it's nothing to worry about, but could you have a look at it? She said, I don't want to look at your foot, could you show me your back? Mm. Showed her, said, okay, we're going to send it away for a biopsy. Sent it away for a biopsy and as I touched on it, came back as uh, a melanoma, 0.8 mil melanoma uh, on my shoulder. Went to... Uh, have a the removal and when I went and sat down uh, before the anaesthetic they said to myself and my wife we're going to take the air of a lime half a lime just to uh, hopefully remove all the cancerous cells and the melanoma area I was there for quite a while and they actually took out the size of half a large orange wow. right down to my shoulder blade a large, large area, over 200 stitches, 207 stitches, internal and external to Blimey. close the wound. Uh, and, yeah, it really uh, hit me hard. The, the recovery from it, when they actually did the full removal, I didn't fish from November till March. Spent all my time with my family waiting for the results after the large surgery just to... Uh, check and hope that it had all been removed and fortunately for me they did remove all of it before it had the chance to get into my lymph nodes in my uh, armpit or my neck but it was always the not knowing the fear and, and the unknown there's certain things in life you have control over and this I had no control over it was, it was the uncontrollable yeah. uh, and it really got me down it affected me personally, affected me mentally, affected my family life, affected my work life. I was travelling in the van for Ridge Monkey, doing all my sales around the country, six, seven hours in the van's a lonely time when you're on your own thinking about cancer. Mm. Uh, I only told a few tight-knit people. And the reason why I sort of didn't tell anyone is sympathy and care doesn't cure it and there's always someone worse off than you. And I've always believed to be quite a strong person and as much as I, I, I would have loved care, love, and the people that knew, they gave me the care and love I needed. My wife was like an unbelievable rock, like unbelievable. I wouldn't have got through it without her. Uh, and it did, it affected me personally, affected my work life. Didn't want to fish. I didn't want to be on my own because I was in my, on my own in the van all the time. I didn't want to fish because I'd be on my own fishing. And I had a back full of stitches, so I didn't really want to hold a uh, carp of any size. And I think probably the reason why I'm sort of talking about it now is I'm four, I'm four surgeries in now I've had another removal on my spine mm -hmm. uh, another biopsy and then another larger removal so my back this year since February to now in the last nine months I've had nearly 300 stitches in my back and I think I haven't wanted to tell anyone because I got through it with the tight-knit group of people but maybe just to raise a little bit of awareness because the sun for me could have been a silent killer uh, I wasn't a sun worshipper, I wasn't someone who lays out in the sun, but the angling uh, that I was doing, necessarily without a top on or with a top on, was hurting me. Mm. And I know it's now, like, I've sat down and I've had uh, a little bit of uh, some counselling and uh, there was a point where I wasn't sleeping, I was on some sleeping tablets to try and help me get through the days because I, was, I didn't know what was happening, I didn't know how bad the melanoma was going to be, the longevity of it. And I'm, I'm pleased to say I'm past all that now and yeah. I'm in a really great place. Uh, my wife, children, the friends that know have been nothing but short of incredible. Uh, and I just feel if I could help an angler or somebody not go through what I went through by putting on Factor 50, you never think it's going to happen to you. You hear stories all the time. and That's the, that's the key thing, isn't it? We never think it's going to happen to us. No. You know, it's uh, it, it's it's very sobering. You know, hearing what you've said, and I, th you know, thank you for thank you for going through it with us. Yeah, it's uh, uh, the, the thing. Something something else I learnt, Rob, is that uh, 
it's not. It took me a long time to realise this. Mm. Apart from speaking to my wife, it's, it's not shameful or uh, you're not vulnerable to ask for help mm. or to speak to someone about something. Yeah. Because, as I said, there's certain things in life you have control over and certain things you don't. Mm. And this I had no control over. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know it was going to happen yeah. to me. Uh, and it hit me It hit me really hard. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm positive about it now. Uh, got a great outlook on life. I'm a really positive person. What do you know? Is it 18 months, 12 months, 18 months down the line now? Is it? Nine. Nine, mo- it's nine, nine months. It's nine months. Nine months. Nine There was only a handful of people that knew. Ridge, yeah, Ridge yeah. Monkey was great to me. Yeah. Uh, the anglers that knew there. The tight-knit group of friends. I had my football team. And mm. through this already... There's another uh, lad at another tackle shop. He heard of what was happening because I couldn't go and visit certain shops for a period. Mm. And I've got I've gotten very well with this lad, Tim. And, uh, he was nervous about something. Yeah, He's got it checked out. Yeah, yeah. And again, it helped him. Good. My football team manager mm. had a mole, mm. got it checked out, yeah. and it's helped him. Yeah, good. So just from speaking, you know, and uh, I don't know if it was a shamefulness or the embarrassment or, and... I didn't want anyone to think of me any different, mm. look at me in a different way because I was energetic down, but I weren't. I was, yeah, it yeah. drained the life out of me. Yeah, it, uh, yeah it was, it's a hor- horrible period that hopefully I've never got to go through again. No. Well, fingers crossed that everything yeah. is going in the right direction. Yeah, thank and, you. Uh, yeah, it's, um, it's a massive life difference for you now, though, isn't it? Yeah. You know, that, 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 was that part of the reason to make you reconsider your career and your time or...? What, how you're living your life yes uh what it made me realize is i had great people around i had great individuals around me at ridge monkey ridge monkey paul dave jay the faces the people see but whitey other people there like really good friends and i could have stayed there and continued to do the job i was doing enjoying the job i was doing enjoying the lifestyle uh but th- what this made me realize is that there's other things really important in life mm. and the biggest one's your family yeah, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't have got through this without my wife uh, my children are 14 and 7 they oldest one knows youngest one knows daddy was poorly mm. didn't know what she thought it was a football injury yeah, yeah. Uh, but they've been there for me like, like rocks mm. and you need great people around you and I've realised that me doing two three days away from the family, then a night fishing a week. Big things in life is, I say there's no substitute for time in mm. fishing. You don't get time back. Yeah. And if I'm missing key elements or, well, I'm not being, uh, obviously I'm, I'm paying the mortgage and providing for the family, uh, as my wife is as well, but you don't want to miss out on them important things in life because you can't get that time back. Mm. And that's made me realise. And the opportunity came from Outlaw offering me an opportunity probably at the right time in my life. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, we're glad we did. No, thank you, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, yeah, it's Stu and, uh, Stu and Ian. But, uh, yeah. Look, onwards and upwards, yeah, as they mate, say. Uh, po- onwards and upwards. Positive person. Uh, so sort of nice sort of points on it is my first actual angling trip after the surgery, after the five months of no fishing, uh, down Chiller Mill again, very first bite, forty three fourteen. Thank you very much. Which is that'll do. Which, which is lovely. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I, I missed out on a few uh, filming trips with Ridge Monkey. Yeah. Due to uh, my own personal health, and my first actual French trip was in April, end of April. Oh, you struggled on that one, if I remember. Yeah, everything sort of fell into place. Read and, the numbers and, and just went went everything's going for you. Yeah, yeah. Like some of the other, like, just so s- minuscule things, but you just know that everything's plain sailing for you. Like some of the other lads had a delay in crossings. Yeah, one broken down. Yeah. Me and my pal Keith, my closest mate in fishing, Keith Pickett, sitting in the van thinking, "Oh, we get a good draw, mate. Oh, this is going to be amazing." Like everything was going right for yeah. us, and then because of everything that went on. Uh, I've gone to this venue five times years previous. Seen the big girl, yeah, up to ninety six pound a couple of times on the bank, and my wife said, said to me one thing. She went, "It's your year. This year, yeah, you yeah. you deserve this. You're going to have it." So all the way down there, and then uh, Gav, John, and May who run the lake. Gav's little girl was in the the hut. They're doing the 
tokens, one, two, three, four, five, depending who's going to swim. And I said, right, I'm not going to pick this year. I said, you lads all go first. And then Gav the owner went, all right, and then my daughter will pull your uh, token. Uh, their little girl, Lonnie's, pulled the token and said, there you go, Dan. Only a lovely, yeah, darling young lovely. girl, lovely girl. Looked at it, number one. Happy days. Oh, no, I thought, <laughs> I thought this is brilliant. I said, this yeah. time of the year, I know where they're going to be. Yeah. And they're going to be there in numbers. Mm. And uh, I actually just thought, we had a walk round and I saw some activity under the trees in the back swim called the beaches. John, the owner, when we were doing the tear tokens, has gone, Dan, you've got to go on the beaches. Mm. So the, where I thought I needed to be, yeah. the owner reassured me, they're there. I yeah. knew they were there from years pr- previous. Yeah. And... I've done something different this year. Uh, I got the rods out, positioned them. When I fished there before, certain times of year I've gone out in a rowing boat and I've lifted up root balls and snags and hand place rigs. The tighter you get them to the margin, you would get bites. Yeah. But over the last year, 18 months, I've done a lot of tree work around the back bay. So I re- where they've cut trees away, they've took some snags out. Remove, scatter on the bottom. Then. Remove all the leaves, a lot yeah. of detritus, a lot of leaves, a lot yeah. of dead foliage. So I thought I'm going to come off them a bit. And I'm either going to put them out of our rowing boat and drop them just shorter, or use a bait boat and position them, walk around the other side, get the gauge. Went out in a rowing boat first of all, found my likely areas, leading rod, illuminated markers in the trees yeah. above all three of my spots, so at night I can turn the uh, light markers on, see where they are, hanging them in trees, take the bait boat back out perfect. When I went round, there was an inlet, there was a stream running in to the back of Lake Serene, and I thought, oh, I've never seen this coming in before. Yeah. It's fresh water. I've never seen this. And it was running from the field, through a fence, down to a little gauzeway, and past all these snags and running right into the lake. I ran back round. Yeah. said to my mate, I went, I've got it. I know what I'm going to do. I said, I'm going to bait up that stream. I went, ra- went back round, muddied it all right up, yeah. kicked it up, let it all cloud up, and it was just trickling in. One scoop of... I had half a scoop of bait... I flicked it in. I've got a video on my phone. I can show you the video. It's amazing. Like the footage is incredible. Flicked this spoon in. All this bait is just crumb, liquid attractor. I, I use a lot of liquid attractors to maximise minimal food content. Yeah, yeah. And it was just going in. Bit there. Bit there. Seven bits going down that little stream in that bit there. Six bits here. And it was just going in naturally, flowing. Gone out. Got the rod out. Got it in position. Single little yellow in the mix of all this crumb. First bite, fifty nine pound. Common. Thank you very much. Off the spot. Yeah. This is this is game brilliant. on. This is brilliant. Yeah. Uh, when you arrive on a Saturday, I don't really do too much. Flick them out, and the Sunday was the day where I found this stream. So we'd been there 14, 15 hours. Yeah. Found this area. Lad who was fishing next to me, Joe. I said, I think we've got. I think, mate, this this could be electric this week. This literally could be the week of all weeks. I'm I'm just I know it already. Yeah. Come back round, half a scoop of bait. During the course of this week, I use seven kilo of bait, that is it. Right. Scooping it in this corner. The next bite, big girl, £89. Awesome. And they're like, my my whole angling dream was was there. Was there. I'd wanted this fish, I got obsessed with it, I'd photographed it, I'd seen it, I'd been part of other people's dreams and the roar I gave out around the lake and my week's like... My closest pals, Tom Duncan Dunlop, yeah. Keith Pickett, Joe Kelly, Jason Browning, Dell, the bait boat Dell. Yeah, lovely. All my closest friends. Gav, who, who runs Lake Serene, he was my football manager and my closest, one of my closest friends where we grew up in Folkestone yeah. when I was a kid. And for them to be there, be there nice late. to share it with them. Though. It was just the euphoria. The, I literally felt on cloud nine. Yeah. And, I, and they was all going, your week's done now. You, you've done it. You, like, they just They saw this... I felt a lot of release because everyone knew that knew me and knew that lake. Yeah. They knew how much I wanted it. I'd go up every dinner, every breakfast to the hut and touch the picture of the big girl on the wind, on the wall. Like, I want that fish. I need that. I need that carp. <laughs> it's like getting under my skin. And I'd done it. And it was just an amazing feeling to have your mates there. It was just, it couldn't have been better. You know, it literally couldn't have been better unless you had your wife and kids in the picture. It yeah, couldn't yeah, have been better. Yeah. Gone and got the rod back in position, fifty nine pounder. It's like <laughs> still going. You, you just couldn't make it up. Yeah. I ended the week on twelve fish over fifty pound, nineteen fish, twelve over fifty, which uh, emulated in the eighty nine common. Yeah. 
also had a 75 common, a 68 and a half common, a 64 common, and it was just magic. Everything just fell into place. And driving down, my wife's message, uh, her speaking to me, getting up at four in the morning, saying, this is your year, you're going to have it. And my kids messaging me saying, my son messaged me, said, Dad, you're going to have the big girl, I know it. And for it to just all fall into place after the previous couple of months of having surgery, I, w I was holding the big girl and all them fish in France with stitches still in my back. Yeah. Uh, it was just a, a, a memory I will never, ever forget. You, I, I can't look at the picture enough, and it's just amazing, you know? Yeah. It, it's... It, it's more than just catching a fish, though, isn't it? That yeah, you know, the, it, it's the it's the release of uh, an awful lot of mental tension. Yeah, uh, as well. It's yeah, a, it, this is you know, let's let's touch on fishing and what it means, though, because it, it, you know, to some people, it, it's it's just a, a, a pastime. To other people, it's a lot more than that. I think generally, it's a lot more than that to most people. Uh, personally, I, I find that I need to be by water. I struggle. Yeah, if I'm not by water, I struggle. Um, and by struggle, I, I don't, I can't put my finger on why I struggle. But there are times when I just think I have got to go by water, yeah, whatever it might be. Uh, and whether it's fishing or just being by it, it releases something that it um, does allows you to function better. It, it does. Uh, I think for certain individual individuals, and a lot of people, certain things are embodied in people. Mm. And I genuinely believe that, like my two super passions are football and fishing yeah. I am football through and through I'm fishing through and through and football and fishing are my release busy work lifestyle family work lifestyles busy two children loads of clubs uh, really supportive family wife but that is your downtime and whether it be 12 hours 10 hours I'm a sort of addictive personality where sorry I want the very best to maximise the limited time I've got in my chosen sport hobby and you can put so much into it that your hunger, your desire you get the results and it's rewarding because you're there it's you against fish it's you, you are in their environment and you're trying to unlock the code, the small little percentages to get the big picture and that sense of reward when you actually achieve what you want is unbel—it's an unbelievable feeling. If you could bottle it and sell it, you'd be a millionaire. It's an unbelievable feeling. You're, you're inspiring me at the moment. I'm sitting there thinking, oh, I want to go out and, and and go now, you know, to to target something, to catch something, because yeah. I, I I I don't know if any of the viewers are, are feeling the same way that I am. I'm, I love my fishing. I'm desperate to get back into it, but I don't have any direction. And you seem to be really good on your direction. You know what you want. You're very channeled about what you want. Um, I just like going fishing. Yeah. But the problem with just liking going fishing is sometimes all you do is you just go fishing. There isn't enough yeah. direction there at the moment. Yeah, I feel with uh, it's what people want out of it. In, in life uh, and in angling especially, you've got paid anglers and that's their job. Uh, I've always been a salesperson working in the fishing industry. I don't class myself as a named angler. I've just been in the right companies, the right time, the right situation with the right people around me. But my God, I've took it with both hands mm. because I want to be successful. I want to succeed. I want people to say, oh, there's that fella. Oh, there's, there's the lad from, uh, he had the 78. He cried He cried when he had the 78. There's the keys there. Like, I go to watch Tottenham and people say, love it when you caught that 78. It's raw emotion. I love it. And you get a real... Were they crying because they're watching Tottenham? <laughs> this year, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But it, it, it's you see, why well, can't you go to Tottenham and, and give some of your inspirational speeches there? Because Tottenham seem to be fantastic at clutching defeat from the jaws of victory all yeah. the time. I don't know. Uh, Angie's got us all believing again. We've had many years of uh, negativity under Conte Marino. It was a great start, wasn't it, yeah. this season? And then... We won last week. <laughs> well, yeah, about time as well. Because I, um, I think when I was looking at the last scores, Tottenham had got the worst record. For the last five games, it was lost four and drew one. We're, we're, prior to that, we're very good at uh, creating new records. Yes, which is that 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 actual stat is nobody has gone ahead in five games consecutively and not won any of them. No, and that that sort of sums up Tottenham. Well done, Tottenham. Yeah. Anyway, back to, <laughs> back to it, it, so, so it, it's 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 nice to have that sort of sense of recognition because I'll be honest about something. 
I work so hard in whatever I'm given, mm. whatever capacity I'm given. If someone says to me, Dan, I need, we need to, when it was sales, I need you to sell 100 of them by the end of the day. Yeah. It would be the sense of failure. I wouldn't want to fail. Yeah. I've got a fear of failing. Uh, not a fear of missing out like a FOMO, I've got a fear of failing. I wouldn't want to put my name or the company or the people that I've got associated around me, I want to pull them into failure. I want to succeed in everything and believe that I can do the best that I can possibly be. And there's a lot of very, very good anglers out there where day-to-day angling is them. Mm. I know that for the time period I've got, I put everything into it. Could you do it? I couldn't be a full-time angler. I just... Because there is life around the outside of of angling and I, I... I don't know whether it's because I've been around a while, but I just could not be a full-time angler. There's actually been times where uh, I've had two or three days yeah, and I go home 24 hours early. yeah, And my wife says, why have you come home? It's a bit alien. As much as I love it, I've sort of, I'm comfortable in short session angling. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, go abroad and I'm as focused as the next man. I, I want to catch the bigger and I want to catch the most and I'll do everything I can. But my sense of achievement and my angling is my body, my mind, everything, my kit, my bait application is all set up to high impact attraction, minimal time, maximum reward. And I never really, if I feel I've failed, I got things wrong. I don't ever put it down to the fish. Obviously, the fish might not be there. I don't put it down to my bait. I don't put it down to my rig. I don't put it down to, I've got the location wrong. And when you said earlier on about when you take something on board about all those key anglers that I've mentioned, the the levies, the Warwick's, the Pecks, the, the people that everyone aspires to be and looks up to, you can aspire to be someone, but you can never be that person. Mm. You've got to have a different dimension or be different. You can't be the same as somebody else. And the biggest tip that I could give for anybody, you say about uh, what I took off any of them the most earlier on, is watercraft and location mm. and it means so much more on limited time like if I arrive sales going fishing tonight and arrived it's got good light conditions and it's 7 o'clock at night I never go with a preconceived idea mm. I never go there to think last week I did have a 44 at this swim don't get me wrong I looked at I was going to have a good look mm. to think that and if you don't see anything it's something good to fall back on but I will spend two hours walking watching little bucket of bait little bit in there little bit in there mm. on the way back to the vehicle well, there's two fish there now going there tonight yeah, yeah. you've got to, you've got to put everything in the time space that you've got and there's a f-ing lot of good carp anglers in this country mm. a lot of good ones whether they're in the public eye or not in the public eye and you learn something of all of them and that's what I believe I've done over time in my angling life my angling journey I'm very good at absorbing knowledge from people I think I think one of the things that they've all got in common with each other is effort Oh, maximum the, effort. The, the two the two things for me that that make you a good angler are, are one, time, and the other one if you haven't got time it's effort. Yeah. So it's the hunger and desire. Know, if you've if you've got time you don't need to make as much effort. If you haven't got the time you've got to make the effort. Yeah. You know you look at Crowe as a prime example. You know he 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 fishes a lot more now than he used to when he was working at Carp Talk. Yeah. But it, the the effort levels that he puts in and the same can be said for a, many know, of them. Yeah. An awful lot of them. I'm not talking about the time bandits who just sit there scratching their ass for four or five days yeah, a yeah. week doing nothing because yeah. that that not not belittling anybody. You know no. that's what they do. Fair enough, but. They're not the best anglers. No. The best anglers are the ones that go out, either target and catch them quickly or make an yeah. effort. Yeah. So. Yeah, that, 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 that's, there's, there's a lot of mindset in that as well, where the angler sets out to catch an individual carp. Yeah. That takes a lot mentally, uh, especially when you stay on that venue as you know it's been caught already. Mm. That takes uh, a lot of drive, a lot of hunger, and a a lot of discipline as well yeah. a lot of discipline to sit there and target one individual fish and do you know what credit to them mm. for the people that do that bounce around the country on these really tough waters credit to them yeah. but they've got time Yeah. but the other thing is that they haven't I'm not going to say they haven't got a lot more going on in their lives but as a working man with a family yeah. you can't do it I've got to say one of the things that, that I've done this year is I've stayed away from social media you know I've been on it but I've stayed away from it a fair amount and the fishing has been for me rather than for, for social media. That sounds really weird, actually, I fish for social media because I, I don't, but there is a pressure when you're within the trade or also just generally, I think, on a lot of people 
to to put your fish on, etc., yeah. etc. And and for me, that can paint a really skewed picture of how well people are doing because you know you look at the fact that Sonsa Sonsa's caught another one of these or he's caught another three of those, and yeah. you just think, blimey, I'm missing out. And staying away from that, just being comfortable. I've had the best years fishing, not just from the results, and I, like the results have been incredible, but enjoyment more than anything else because again it's fishing for me it's not fishing for anything else yeah i think uh a lot of people fall in the trap of don't get it, it instagram uh your facebook your following and things it becomes a vanity thing yeah all right it's it's like a football like you don't go in the shower with certain people because <laughs> <laughs> Because you ain't in the good see, position. Yeah, but you see, you should have turned that around the other way. That should have been a case of actually, it's like in football, certain people won't come in the show. Yeah, they? <laughs> but it's, it's it's like the amount of the amount of followers and things you get, you get to perceive it's a perception, you know. Yeah. And uh, certain people will put up pictures to gain following, and it depends on how much you want it. Yeah. Do you want to have a blue tick? Do you want to have yeah. more followers than any individual? And I'm not taking anything away from any angler. Angler, there's amazing anglers out there with no followers because they don't put stuff on social media yeah, yeah. they want to break from social media uh but social media sells fishing equipment yeah sells fishing tackle you know and people that work for companies they have to pull it up and so you might have one guy have a trip and have 15 fish in a session yeah but they might write that they had four yeah retain 11 pictures and then stagger them out over the month mm looks like consistency and the, these yeah. things go on you know and uh it depends what you want from your fishing my fishing's to go as a retreat and i'm very fortunate enough that i've worked in the industry for such a long time i don't feel pressure in and around cameras i don't feel pressure when i'm on other lakes uh but i don't perceive to be one of these a, a named angry gets paid to go fishing because some of the perception of the general public that we want to accommodate for here. When you speak to some of the people on the bank, they don't like, feel they want to come in certain people's swims yeah, yeah. because they don't want to upset, annoy, be a nuisance. But I think that's like, with the way that the angling industry is, I can understand you have an air of arrogance about you, but still be polite and humble. Like mm. Manners are one of the things in life that cost no money. Well, the world's problems could be solved with one thing, and that's respect. Yeah, isn't it? You know, if we, if we respect each other and people respect us, then yeah. And and I feel what you're do, where you said you're catching them for you. Mm. Your angling just flows. There's no like you're, you're doing it to please, and you make a mistake. You can just you can just enjoy your angling. I just wanted to do it. Yeah. That's the difference. I, w I want to go and I want to do it. I'm so desperate because I've, I've now, I've not moved away from cart fishing. I can't fish, but I do fish for everything. And one of the things that's really kept my fire going is fishing with the seasons. So, yeah. for example, now we're coming into perch and pike time. I absolutely love trotting dead baits for pike. Yeah, it is amazing. I love trotting for chub. I love going on rivers where there isn't anybody where I can just wander up and down and catch whatever's there. And if the float goes under, yeah. great. Um, but that said. What I want to do now is I want to try and catch a big one. I've, I, like I'm after a, a, I'd like to break my PB three times this year on different species. So um, I'd like to ideally catch, um, you know, a good four pound perch out of a river uh, this year, which is a which is a big fish. Um, I'm after a seven pound chub, uh, which again is a big fish. I've had a six twelve, so I'd like to get a seven, um, and I'd like to get a three pound grayling, and and. I say these every year that I'd like to do something or other, but certain years you're hungrier for it than yeah. others. Um, the problem at the moment is all three of those involve rivers, and at the moment the rivers are in the fields. Yeah, and I feel really, I feel stuck in my fishing. But that said, it's good carp fishing weather, so I'm going carp fishing tomorrow. Oh mate, I, like you, you know, the last three weeks yeah. I've done, the last three weeks I've done an equivalent of 24 hours angling in three day sessions yeah. and had 19 bites brilliant and that for me is venue dependent again yeah, I yeah. go to the right venues with the right form the right amount of stock that you know you're going to get a bite when's when's enough bites because you know sometimes I'll go out and I'll go right I want to go for a smash up and you get the rods out you work it you find the fish you'll have a bite you think brilliant you have another one you go yeah we've had it you get your third one you think oh I'm kicking the arse out of it you have a yeah. fourth one and then by the fourth one I think actually that's it I don't know. Mine, I can't go more than that now. I just not. Mine, mine last week was I, I sort of did five hours, ten till three, then went to watch Tottenham West Ham, yeah, and then went back the following day, ten till three, 
What was the score? First half, 1 0 Tottenham. Second half? <laughs> <laughs> we lost. <laughs> but I, uh, anyway, back to fishing. Yeah, I had seven bites yeah. in five hours on both days, up to 27 8 and 27 12. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like incredible sport. Yeah, they're good sized fish for that many bites. Yeah, and they're nice fish as well. Aren't they? Because normally nice when you're well. getting big bites like that, you're normally getting doubles. Yeah, they're nice fish as well. So, yeah, fair It's play. the right, like I said, the right venue. And I work my angling schedule around the, the venues all the time, venue dependent. Yeah. And if you're, I would have took one bite for the seven hours, for the time I was there, the five hours, not seven. You've got some good looking fish in Kent, haven't you? Yeah. Uh, that's that's one of the things for me now. The, the You know, I like you catch what you catch you yeah. know you've got to catch what's in front of you but um muddy farm ponds which is what we've got a lot of down by us yeah no disrespect for them but yeah. muddy farm ponds generally tend to have their manufactured venues with manufactured fish uh fish yeah. for by manufactured anglers and manufactured baits um that's what it is oh, you've got a lot of gravel down there haven't you? and that yeah the, you've got the, the old clear water fish are beautiful yeah you've got the old uh all the mid-kent lakes yeah which are gravel pits Brett's yeah, took it all out yeah. for quarry and uh, they've been there over time. Loads of features, loads of beautiful original uh, capstan fish. Yeah. Ken Crow originals that all got put in there. And then Those all, commons are lovely, those golden commons. Yeah, they, they're oh, really okay. nice. But then you've also now got uh, like the Chilston Fish Farm. Yeah. A friend of mine, Mark, Mark and run, uh, Keith, they run it. Uh, and a lot of the lakes there are getting stocked with these amazing, big, scaly mirrors. Has Kent not been simmoed then? Some lakes have got some, some simos, yeah. yeah yes, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Swan and Tumford, right. they've got some simos here. Because they don't do too bad in clear water. Do no, they, they do they really do. well. I think they look really they nice well. in clear water. Very, very, very lucky, uh, the area I've got. And even now, though, coming up here, well, obviously you guys are having your own lake. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's a lot of good lakes in Essex. Oh, mate, some stunners in that lake as well. And I've yeah, seen them. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, got to be uh, got got to be done. It's um it's an interesting winter water. You know that this time of year they do tend to move over to maggots quite a lot. Yeah. So lads fishing maggots, little pink, um some of our our little pink pop ups with maggots on the top of them. Yeah, seem to let do me the get job. my phone back in back <laughs> in the nuts. So yeah, it's uh it, 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 do you use maggots much? Uh, certain times of the year, like the, the lake that I'm going to at the moment. Uh, I'm very fortunate. Minute, I'm in the middle of a development. Yep. stage uh for a new bait and i've been fortunate enough to be involved with that uh last few months and i've just been using that because it's a testing period yeah, yeah. so i've been using crumbs a little bit of liquids but certain venues like chill and meal responds to gallons of maggots yeah, yeah. good i'd say i'd say gallons at the right time yeah. but you can get a bite just on a, a long mesh bag rig pulled up inside it little medusa Wafter. Yeah, see, I, I prefer that. I like in the winter. I like my quick hit fishing. So if you are having a bag of maggots, it's yeah. that. Or, or better still, personally, I like uh, just using crumb, but I put a little bit of bread with it. Yeah. And things like um, feed to mix beef from yeah. from CC Moore's. Uh, some of our liquids as well. Really stinky little sticks. Bright pink pop ups, either on a Ronnie yeah. or something, and just quick hit fishing, casting around with those. Yeah. And I, I just I find it nicer than maggots. Well, that's that's my angling. That's maximum attraction yeah. with minimal food content. Yeah. You don't want to feed them. You want to catch them. Yeah. You want to get. You want them to come and get a bite. Like what I'm doing at the moment is to get all them bites. A handful of broken boilie, some two mil pellet, liquid over the top, letting it soak in, and I'm fishing literally. I'm casting to this this snag bush, going round, little spoon over the top. Yeah. And that is it. Like so simple, delicate fishing. You could use bags if you wanted to, a solid bag. But I'm not filling it in. Even when I'm leaving at this time of year, I'm not filling it in. It's just uh, fishing for a bite. Yeah, one, one of the little edges I've found, I don't know if you've tried this yet, but do you use liquidised bread? I, ha- I have done many years in ago. Your, in your sticks. It's something that don't, people don't use very often, but in your sticks, if you mix a bit of pellet or whatever you're doing up, put your mix in. And then liquidise your bread, but actually put the crust in as well. And they, you get little bits that come off and they sort of hover up in the water, which yeah. is really good. It's a, it's a mega edge. Something for the bank. Just I'll to remember that. I do like uh, winter cart fishing because it's a se- sense of reward again. You know, the frost on the floor, the early morning dew. And yeah. It's, if you can get a few bites, it's nice. It's real in and out as well. Like, you know, you touched it before on, on fishing off the barrow. I, again, tend to do a similar sort of thing. But you can get up at a sensible time. You can get to the lake for first light at a sensible time. You can fish for the day and you can leave. And, yeah. you know, you've still got a life around the outside of it. So where a lot of people hang the rods up for Christmas and it's like, no, it's too cold and yeah. that's it, I'm not going. For me, this is the time when actually I'm I'm more active 
and want to get out and do a lot more with it because again it's quick hit it's it's perfect fishing and you're after bites you're not going to sit there in a bivy no if you find the right venue yeah. the bites will come and that's the key isn't it that's it's the key. location and venue yeah yeah absolutely so um let's talk about some of your adventures ridge monkey took you around the world doing some rather interesting things and you ate some funny stuff as well there that was that was one of the standout things you know you had a laugh you caught some fish but some of the stuff you lot ate yeah, we did uh, the series. It was, it was Paul's brainchild, Great Escape, Free Mates, going around Europe, bit of Top Gear-esque sort of trials. Uh, and, yeah, it was, it, it was great fun. I became really good mates with Dave and Jay, fishing some incredible places. Like, you'd have to pinch yourself some mornings. You're waking up at work in Croatia, Italy, like Hungary, all, all around the world, France, some really good venues in France, the Ebro, like a picture mm. down there. Uh, and some of the things, the trials that we used to do for dependent on swims, they were killers. They were literally, to me, I, I'm, I could can't sit anywhere near seafood. I catch fish. I don't like any seafood at all. Yeah. Uh, I've not got very good gag reflexes, which people probably seen many times before. Yeah, and when they did like fish soup, crushing fish heads, and then wasabi oil in the Ridge Monkey Crusher, pulling it in a liquidised cup, it was like hell on earth. I'll take the last swim without even drinking yeah, it. I'll just take the last swim. <laughs> Levy seemed to be a bit of an animal on that. Did he just get on with it? or <sighs> it, it, him, and, him and Jay, literally no fucks given. They, if it's to determine, if there's one very good area on the lake, they wanted it. <laughs> Dave wanted it more, you know. Uh, but yeah, good, a really good crack. Great to be around. I, I will I will miss them, you know. like I, I will miss the pair of them and Paul and Ant and the boys. Uh, them trips were... Great, and and it just gave a different element to carp fishing films. Yeah. It was like no sails; they're in there subliminally. Like you're not throwing things in people's faces, and you are going around the world fishing. Like on, on them trips, I had uh, seventy-eight mirror, sixty-eight commons, sixty-six pound grass carp, big cats. It's like yes, it's. It's great. It's really nice to talk about it and reminisce. This is good. Impressive. Well, Luke, you've, you've, I've seen it now. Right? You've, you've touched on it down there. But at this stage of the game, we normally ask our guests to bring something in for our history wall. As you can see, there's plenty of things on here. We've got some really exciting stuff. We've got Les riding a horse. There's Nigel with the fish there. A few covers, books, hats, all sorts of things. What have you got for us? I've got a picture. It wasn't... Uh, the, the, the filming of this never actually came out. We filmed on the Ebro... We came from Ictus, yep. uh, South France, and we said we had three days on the Ebro. When we arrived, you wouldn't sort of see it there. This is one of the very first pictures they took. Uh, Rob Gibson, the cameraman there, the most incredible sunset and storm came over at the same time. Yeah. But there was trees. We set up for the first night, and there was trees coming down. We got woken in the night. The Ebro had flooded. It was so bad. And I think the biggest fish I caught was 26. There was nothing really of any degree to create a film it was a complete washout yeah. but out of it i've got this incredible picture that rob done uh and we sort of pull it on this large canvas for me that is amazing and i thought it would look pretty nice on your wall of fame up there lovely absolutely well we'll get you to sign it if that's all right yep. we'll get you to scribble your name on that and that will form part of our wall it's building up now we've got some quite nice stuff up there actually this interestingly see the pva mash there yep um you know uh steve spurgeon come up with uh, yeah, but the, 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 well putting a tube inside it because Rod Hutchinson came up with a mesh in yep. the first place uh, but it was Spurge that came up with uh, with that and that's something that um, you know has is used by every angler and that is one of the first ever ones so it's a nice little bit of memorabilia here nice, good. really really is so what's next then we've, we've got a little bit more time left what is next what are your targets going to be enjoy your fishing through the winter yeah so uh, I've got a chiller meal winter ticket there's one fish in there that has eluded me, a fish called Starburst. Low, for, between 40 and 44 all year. Incredible Starburst scale pattern. Apple slices on one side. Really old, slopey head. Mm. Like split fins. Like real, like character Been fish. Around the track. It's, a, it's a character fish. Yeah, yeah. And it, that is the only real big and left in Chillum uh, that I've never caught. And I would, it is the most sought after for me. I know yeah. other people want like single line and Ringo's. Uh, fortunately to catch them that's evaded me a couple of fish in the stour still have uh, always evaded me I've got a tip lake ticket yeah. but I'm going to venture a little bit further this year obviously working here in Essex first part of the week every week uh, I'm going to do a bit on the res mm. 
been offered a couple of other quite exciting tickets in Essex, so I'm going to recalculate them. And where I live uh, in Kent, Wingham's very close to me now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so potentially I could end up doing a bit of a right. little What's in there, there now? Because the, that, that's had the biggest fish in Britain in it, hasn't it? What's in there at the moment? I don't know. Uh, the two lakes that they've got there, a lot of good fish. Like yeah. there, there is a lot of fifty pounders still. And I actually saw uh, one lad was in the store here actually the other day. Uh, Stuart, who's a member on one of the lakes there, and a gentleman has had more fish than I've ever believed an individual would be would have caught out there. Yeah, and some of them are incredible. He was showing me on his phone, and yeah, I want to. I'm going to continue to fish closer to home. Uh, fingers crossed, nothing else comes back health wise but I just want to give the family a bit more time I'm gonna it's quite nice I think this year and I say it's only I think I've only got three weeks abroad yeah fishing could end up here more I always have a personal trip back to Serene with mates I've got a couple of trips with Stuart and Ian uh, and maybe other filming opportunities for Outlaw but yeah I'm just gonna concentrate on the winter now will be bouncing between the day ticket lake that I'm doing really well on at the moment yeah. like it's mid-December and you're getting seven fish in five hours yeah, just so having fun and getting bites I'm going to capitalise on that yeah. but then I am going to move on to Chillum in the next few weeks and go for one of these last remaining fair play but yeah no it's, uh, it's exciting it's, I'm really looking forward to 2024 as I said it's been an up and down year I've always been a positive person got positive people around me mm. got my family support wife support and uh yeah, we're going to hit 2024 directly at it and fantastic. give it everything. Well, look, thank you ever so much for coming in. Thank you for being so candid. Well done on your captures. Thank you. Uh, and, you know, stay positive and, and keep rocking forward. Absolutely brilliant. And indeed, you folks at home as well. Do remember to do the normal thing. Like, follow, share, all of that stuff. Follow us, we'll follow you, and there will be plenty more where this has come from enjoy january and we'll see you next time thanks for listening to the outcast the podcast from outlaw pro the ultimate angling experience remember to follow us on social media for updates and information on future guests see you next time